1: The customer is never wrong is a quote from swiss hotelier caesar ritz the founder of the hotel ritz a name synonymous to the highest standards of service in the world i thought this was an appropriate quote for our guest today the leader of one of australia's largest hospitality groups our guest today is dan brady chief executive officer of red cape hotel group and molus australia hotel management the group owns and operates hotels pubs and other venues valued in excess Of 1.1 billion dollars striving to deliver excellent community specific services across australia from his early days in regional new south wales to owning and operating a renowned hotel on the state's south coast and now at the helm of an asx listed hospitality leader dan takes us on a journey through his distinguished career widely regarded in the industry dan is also a director of the liquor stacks retail group Was previously CEO of National Leisure and Gaming Limited and is an active member of the Australian Hotels Association. Hello and welcome to another episode of No Limitations, a show where we speak to elite world class performing men and women and unlock the secrets and influences that have shaped their destinies and that you could apply to your own life. For our first time listeners from all over the world, please don't forget to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. And for our listeners in Germany, Canada, and New Zealand, a big hello. I am your host, Greg Robinson, Managing Partner of Blendon Partners, Executive Search and Board Advisory. In today's episode, Dan shares with us what being a leader means to him, how he is navigating the roller coaster of the global pandemic, and how Red Cape, as an organization through the use of AI and technology, has enabled a new frontier, transforming itself into a communications company as they continue to engage with their customers and the greater public. With their finger on the pulse of real Australia, we hear stories of how communities are coping and adapting to the challenges in front of them. And we also hear of what we can be looking forward to when the doors of our much-loved venues open up once again. Finally, to finish on a light note, Dan, the consummate publican, gives us advice on how to pour the perfect beer. So sit back and enjoy the pub test. Dan, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much, Greg. Great to be here.
1: I was a bit worried about catching up with you, Dan. No snakes around. I've seen some of your antics with snakes in the past, and I I want to know if if there's any any, any snakes in the studios here today. Can you sort of fill the audience in about your antics with those snakes?
0: Oh, look, I did a challenge a little while ago of uh, uh, jumping into a tank of snakes and lying there. It was all for a good cause, but uh, it was... uh, a very terrifying experience for me. Uh, it was, uh, you know, one of those Indiana Jones moments. I think.
1: <laughs> you had affinity to snakes, or you've been growing up scared of snakes, and this was the big bold plunge of all time. Uh, look,
0: coming from Tamworth, there was uh, always a, a snake or two outside the front door, but we had a good red kelpie that uh, kept the snakes away, so uh, I was protected there. But no, I don't like snakes, so uh, it was uh, it was quite a challenge to. Uh, jump into a, a tank with hundreds of them
1: oh <laughs> well crawling and while they're crawling all over the body were they
0: <laughs> it was uh there was one big one and that was uh, and uh, some small ones but the big one was uh the one that uh really terrified me that.
1: what was it in uh Adolf, dan what was the uh, the, the cause uh,
0: it was the data cure at the cancer foundation and look you know it was it was terrific it was a lot of support from. Uh, industry and, and really people over my entire career from you know back in the early days right through all of the the you know the different uh groups of people that i've uh, been able to brush with over the time it's fantastic
1: and did you raise some good amount of money
0: yeah look uh yeah we did well we raised a fairly substantial amount of money that year and uh it was again all, all for a good cause and it's that particular ceo dare event mm-hmm. is uh something that you know has, has grown and grown over, over the years which is just terrific.
1: Yeah look the reason I brought it up I guess in the sort of state of affairs that uh, many Australians are experiencing and here in different parts of the world community is vital isn't it and I guess giving an understanding of the community is so key and where we're going and I guess as a leader that's something you're very mindful of.
0: Yeah look being blessed having worked in a, a pub environment I guess the we talked very contemporarily today about a circular economy mm-hmm. and we had examples of that happening in different businesses on a product base. This is something that pubs have done for a lot of years. Um, you've got you know a lot of leaders, mayors, different people come out of the pub environment who end up being the community leaders. And these places uh, give so much in terms of leadership and then, uh, and then receive so much from the community. And it's about that symbiotic relationship that keeps building and building which is that you know really at the essence of where a lot of the cutting edge uh, sort of strategies are around how you create a circular economy and we've got one here that's probably been going for 100 years or more and uh, that's something that uh, we think about a lot in the business.
1: Maybe take us back a little bit Dan from the beginnings you grew up in the bush you grew up in Tamworth. Circular economy what was it like out there in those days and what inspired you to take the the career path that you have?
0: Well I think I was you know, really fortunate back in those days uh, to be in a hospitality business where you got to learn the public bar and okay. what happens in a public bar just about everything. So you've got to really understand people. You've got to understand your staff, your customers, but you get to understand them in a very deep way and you, you learn to put yourself in their shoes. And today you hear a lot of business techs talk about empathy. Yep. That's really learning it from the, the grassroots up. And, uh, you know, I guess from the added bonus of uh, learning a, a, a trade and an apprenticeship and empathy back from those days was also the fact that I had a, a business owner mm-hmm. who taught me tea accounting and ledger accounting and those sorts of things of running the back end of the business mm-hmm. at an 18-year-old sort of level. And that set me up really for a lifelong uh, journey of learning. Uh, having them go to a university and business schools and different things like that to to build out uh, really what is a, a lifelong learning journey.
1: What do you like so much about the leisure industry then?
0: Certainly there's a couple of aspects to it. One is the it's a humanistic business, it's a people business. so it's understanding people, and again, if you come from that grassroots level of learning people from ground up, it does allow you to get into some very wonderfully enhancing experiences. You, you learn how to build trust with people. That's a cornerstone of, of what we do in our business. And it also, given uh, the, the timing of my entry into this business, so these, these were really you know cottage businesses back in the day that have become very big business today. And what that has allowed for is an understanding on how you Really can, in what are micro businesses into a big business, test and learn lots of business concepts, really understand how to be innovative and and drive at the uh, at the leading edge of opportunities across uh, what a lot of big businesses, you know, try and do. But you can test and learn in that small environment.
1: Well, I sort of read a little bit about your history and I guess you're not giving advice from the sideline. You, you didn't, you at one stage during your career, own and run the Marlin Hotel down in Ulladulla? <laughs>
0: Yeah, look, uh lots of, big, lots big of different <laughs> <laughs> lots of different ownership structures over the years. That that was uh, you know, a pub that I owned at the time and uh really at that point in time I you know, we were successful down there and and I I decided that I wanted to understand how to run this in a big business context. So that's led me to having all sorts of corporate structures that I've dealt with over the years, you know, running uh, pub platforms for high net worth. We've got forty pubs today, but we've been as many as hundred pubs uh, listed, unlisted, hedge fund, private equity, and uh, all the various different structures that uh, that I've worked in and worked uh, for those stakeholders. And really, you've got you know shareholders and what their returns profile is, the nature of their capital, how it comes into these different structures, and and really then understanding where your strategy need to lay for success and performance.
1: Well, maybe Dan, could you talk through, the? I guess, for the, um, the benefit of the audience, the sophistication of the industry that you're in? And as you said, those stepping stones and exposure that you've had, but maybe bring to the audience, you know, the day-to-day role that you have.
0: Yeah, well, I guess um, what was a, a cottage industry a number of years ago is really now a big business and we've just seen Endeavour on the boards and uh, that's a big business and fundamentally it's a pub business these businesses are made up of you know many small pubs small businesses but Mm -hmm. you know the basic level of a pub a few years ago might have been two or three million dollars and today one pub can be worth up to a hundred million dollars
1: yeah right
0: okay so it's quite substantial in terms of value accretion over the years and really from a Corporate structuring standpoint, you know, listed environment, you've got all the governance rules as you would expect. Yes. Uh, however, from a um, how you wedge a competitive advantage in this business is really in and around how you uh, think about your staff, think about your customers, think about performance. And that's really where the sophistication lay today is in leading large teams and leading them on a a values platform of having one set of values, a set of behaviours, and really understanding uh, your performance metrics and driving at those performances. We've got a digital platform and we innovate in that the whole time, which, you know, really drives out fantastic outcomes.
1: Daniel, more sort of sharing a little bit more about the, the essence of what you just said about the values, like what are they? And uh, why would I respond if I was working with you and your team?
0: Yeah, so look, our, you know, we have a, a pretty clear uh, guide to what leadership looks like in our company. We've got a promise, we build trust. We build trust that energises and values people. So I, I have a pretty clear test on that. Every time I leave a meeting, I say to myself, for an encounter or a decision, have I built trust? Have I treaded water on trust? Or have I deteriorated trust? What have I done? And, uh, you know, obviously the the latter two is unacceptable and it's only going for building trust. And that's really, you know, the purpose of every decision, every encounter, every sort of uh, thing that we do within the organisation. How does that live out? We have our care, courage and collaboration values, Mm -hmm. which are nouns. What's the doing under that? We have our behaviours. And uh, that's how we uh, hold ourselves accountable as a team and to each other. And uh, we have performance uh, metrics on that. And we have three performance metrics, two lead indicators, one lag indicator. The lead indicators sit around uh, having highly engaged staff and then having customers that are advocates and having, say, so you, you know, customer NPS scores and staff satisfaction school. And then the lag is our distributable earnings or profit number. So really when we sit around an hour, a business, we're not thumping the desk and going, hey, what about the profit? What about the p and and what have you? We're sitting there saying, have we built trust? What's our staff satisfaction rating? We can do something about that. That is a lead indicator. We can drive that. Are our customers advocates for us? And listen to them, have the conversation with them and drive higher performance. If we do those two things, then we'll deliver enhanced profit. And that's our value chain.
1: So, Dan, what is the scale of the organization?
0: Uh, Look, Red Cape today is a bit over a billion dollars in value. Wow.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, And then we have unlisted funds as well. So, uh, I'm the CEO and managing director of listed Red Cape, but I'm also uh, the CEO of uh, Mahm, which is an investment-grade hospitality manager Mm -hmm. that manages other funds as well. So that added to, we're uh, heading towards two billion dollars.
1: And the growth, where do you see the growth coming from, Dan?
0: Well, we've been growing for a, a lot of years now. Our strategy sits in being a sustainable growth company. There's been different cycles that that uh, we've been through. You know, mm-hmm. started as a startup many years ago, and uh, we've been in accelerated growth at certain times. And and today we find ourselves in sustainable growth, which is a a strategy very much centred around: can we add value to assets? We can do that through growing the earnings, which is what we've been doing for a number of years. So it's our existing assets and being able to add value to our existing assets, as well as um, acquisition. We take a very disciplined and measured approach to acquisition, and uh, it's not just adding more to the pile. It's can we add value and can we deliver? an enhanced total shareholder return.
1: Community again, I think we, we started from, but maybe that's central to the role of Red Cape and how you engage in the trust you build with the customer?
0: Yeah, well, again, you know, that purpose of building a trusted environment is, again, applicable to not just our staff, it's applicable to our customers and indeed to our investors. From a community standpoint, one of the things that, you know, we firmly believe in is the idea that the hotel should be a leader of, of the community. Mm-hmm. This sits very well in, a, in the current environment, which is all about localism. It's all about community. It's about um, helping each other, which is you know what we know of uh, the current environment. And this is just the DNA of hotels. And one of the things we've been able to do over recent times is create a uh, you know, digital platform that has a continuous sort of feedback loop running through it and how it builds further value into the community. And we've been able to, all transactions that are embarked upon by our customers, attract pledge points that they then nominate where funds go. So it's community-driven from the customer. We don't get involved. All we're doing is putting the platform there. And that'll equate to this year of around a million dollars going out to around 300 community groups as nominated and driven by the customer. Right. So it's a real win-win for the, the organisation and the customer. It's customer-centric in terms of them driving it. And it feeds exactly into the thematic of what these hotels have been for, for you know, over 100 years or more.
1: And as a CEO during these sort of, I guess, challenging times, how are you finding things, mentally, physically? How are you communicating your message? Obviously, if you had to change that somewhat, maybe you could sort of share how do you lead through this sort of period of um, ambiguity?
0: Well, I think, you know, the first lockdown, we, we flipped into a calling ourselves a communications company and that's what we've done again now. Um, so what do you have to think about in a communications company? You have to think about connection. and. Uh, What we also take um, a core to performance and having a performance-based culture is as environment changes, are your performance metrics appropriate? And uh, through this period, we go away from staff engagement and we go to staff connection rates. We go away from customer NPS scores because customers aren't walking through the door at all. We go to communication open rates, EDM open rates on the digital platform those sorts of things are our communications good enough are they capturing the mood like the mood changes you know as we speak is very much about uh feeling trapped uh discontent feelings of frustration how do we identify with that with our customers and turn that into a positive proactive constructive conversation and uh you know for example right now we've we've gone out to our customers and said hey Remember when we weren't in lockdown, you were coming. Yes. You're feeling frustrated now. What were you frustrated about back then? Tell us. Let's do something about it together. And whilst we're in this shutdown phase, we can uh, we can surprise and delight you when we open and, and do something about that. So it's about, you know, having those meaningful conversations with our, with our customers. So um, right now the, the business um, is, you know, very stable. Uh, we've... You know, in any of these situations, what do you think about? You think about not running out of cash, being very liquid, having your uh, assets secure, having your people connected, having your customers engaged and communicated with. And then with everything stable and calm and deliberate, you then start to say, well, how do we accelerate out of this by learning, growing and developing, which is exactly what we're doing right now. So it's a very positive mood at the moment, and uh, it's a positive mood of, of laying down the bricks and foundations on, on when we open and, and how do we accelerate and continue our sustainable growth journey.
1: So how have you changed your style during this period as a leader?
0: I understand, uh, I understand I have, all that part,
1: but what about the day-to-day to your own team? How, have you changed at all? Have you communicated differently? My style hasn't
0: changed. Okay. Um, you know, like our long-term strategy doesn't change. Yeah, you know, it's the same strategy. We might do a few, a few things in between a little bit different because we find circumstances have changed a little, but it's the same long-term strategy. My style is the same. But we're doing things, of course, a little bit different when you call yourself a communications company rather than a hospitality company. Yes. Which is to say that the amount of time that, you know, we spend communicating with each other in... in uh, not just uh, formal development meetings, growth meetings, those sorts of things. We put a higher priority on on ensuring people's uh, mental health and you know, how are you questions uh, become a much more important question. Perhaps they should always be that important, but they seem to have more resonance at the moment and, and uh, ensuring we're carving out a lot of time for that is a, is a big priority.
1: Dan, what are you hearing from the community? Oh,
0: I think that there's uh, some of those emotions and feelings that I just laid out, mm-hmm. trapped, uh, discontent, frustrated, are really ringing quite loud at the moment. And um, you know, it is what it is. However, I think that what we're certainly doing as a business is trying to pick those emotions up, not trying to to dismiss them because they're real, and uh, and then turn them into a positive, constructive conversation that can have positive outcome Uh, that's what we're trying to do as a business but I think that that they are the emotions at the moment but they change quite quickly Mm -hmm. and you know part of our framework of engaging with customers is to make sure that we're very agile around understanding where the mood's changing and we can do that because we've got uh, you know thousand digital customers that we can talk to and have conversations with and and understand that mood
1: Dan, you've got a reputation for having the innovators mindset, being creative, maybe taking the odd risk. Where's that come from and where's it taking you to?
0: That is a great question. I think the the thing for me is that in my brand today, my personal leadership brand, I have creativity as a pillar. And I played music all my life. I wrote music. I play lots of different instruments, that sort of stuff. And then when I got to accounting, I stopped doing that stuff and became a bit more robotic and, uh, and a bit more uh, disciplined around how I should think. And for many years, I actually uh, didn't think about creativity and uh, really focused on uh, more discipline, more, I guess, understanding of things like corporate Australia and, and those sorts of uh, things. And really, what's been unearthed, I think, in in myself as a person over the last—it was probably creeping on a decade ago, but certainly over the last five, seven years—has been tapping right back into my creativity. And what what is creativity? Mm. Creativity is there's a real discipline on creativity uh, within itself, but it's but it's also having a curious mindset and ensuring that uh, with that that curiosity comes. a real preoccupation with understanding a problem more before getting to a solution. Yep. So certainly internally in the business, we collaborate a lot around problems. And is that the problem we're trying to solve? Hang on, let's, te- let's test that. Is, is that the problem we're trying to solve? No, no, it's not actually. Let's think about it. No, we're trying to actually solve something else and, and keep going until you get to that refined problem. And from there you know, solutions tend to spill out pretty quickly and then you can apply the creativity on top of that. And, you know, that really, really gets me excited. Um, and I know the teams around me uh, get very excited when we, we go down those paths. I mean, one of the things we have on our platform is we do have a creativity room and, uh, you know, you go into that room and you just drop all the barriers and and still approach it in a in a disciplined fashion, but it's a, a fashion that uh, really uh, centres a lot on refining a problem and then gets to uh, uh, walls down barriers on how you might uh, solve that problem.
1: I reckon you've hit the nail on the head there, Dan, but the question I'm trying to think about is why did you let it subside for 10 years?
0: I think that, you know, getting into, I mean, I, it was a time where I got, were around a lot of you know private equity hedge funds um, there was a listed space back then uh, various boards that i that I sat on and, and reported into and it, I was learning I was learning a lot about governance I was learning a lot about the legal system I was learning you know in lots of different spheres yep. and, and I'm not saying I was sort of overtly passionate about any of that but it was it was learning <laughs>
1: like, and, I love
0: <laughs> I, was, I was very focused on it and uh, I think everyone can't do everything right you, you sort of you, you've got to immerse yourself in things if you're going to learn them and, and that's what I was doing and that didn't really allow uh, allow for I guess the creativity to flow.
1: I was just thinking the bigger picture is just have we we lost the waiting on creativity. I
0: think there's a translation that's required for it i.e. that uh, if you don't and i go back to the fundamentals if you if you don't have the um, toys in the cot you can 't play with them if you if you haven't got a good balance sheet if you haven't got the fundamentals of your governance right if you haven't got the right sort of engagement with your shareholders if you haven't you know all these sorts of things then you know you can have uh, all sorts of dreams but you won 't realize them to come true because you 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 don't get the opportunity to to think like that but Thinking like that is you know, it's got to come from a basis of having uh, your core business and your fundamentals right. You know, that's where we're at today and we've been there for a little while and, and that does allow for creativity to um, you know come in innovation to come in and I guess for also for a business like ours which has micro businesses within it, uh, your ability to test and learn stuff is huge. So we can go off and do you know, not very expensive um, testing of you know, the latest business thinking out of MIT or something like that and see if it works, then uh, use it or lose it.
1: So when you go through interviews now and you bring those future stars through, you're testing them on their creativity?
0: Oh, it's a very much a values test. There is a, a rare talent out there at the moment, which is customer-centric thinking. Uh, truly customer centric thinking very few people have got it and you know if we test that and find that that's that's a, a eureka moment and then it's all uh laden on values what's the essence of the person are they you know no one's a good or bad person it's just whether or not you're aligned yeah so are you aligned to what what we're doing here uh, aligned to who we are can you challenge and be additive to what we're doing? You know, bringing people in with a challenge mindset is uh, also one of those other uh, eureka moments if we can uh, find it in the in the talent pool out there.
1: So, what actually is customer-centric thinking then, from from your lens?
0: I think it's your ability to put your feet in the customer's shoes and uh, not care that you know you might engineer anything from a, a business process, a workflow process. A, know financial system whatever all of it um, how does it enhance the customer yeah even though it might be a thousand miles away how does it enhance the customer because if the whole organization's aligned that way then it is going to enhance the customer and uh, I think that what I find um, regularly and I think this is you know this comes out of a, a top-down mindset out of you know the corporate sphere uh, forever. Yeah. is that, um, you know, we go and engineer new ways to do things with the, you know, we're talking customer, we're thinking customer, but it's sort of convenient for us staff to do the workforce to do it this way. Mm. So we'll do it that way. And we're only compromising on this 5 or 10% to make it easier for ourselves. Yes. But it's brum, brum, not customer-centric. And uh, so I think that's really the discipline. and And, you know, As acute as I think about these things myself, I find them all the time in our business, all the time, and they're hidden. And, uh, you know, it's about having that challenge mindset around the table that can ask the question, how is this really adding to our customer's value set?
1: Can I ask you a customer-centric question then? Yep. Why do I have to go to the bar rather than the bar come to me this day and age? There you go. It <laughs> up drives me up the wall. You want my money and I've got to go over there and watch you pull that beer and my mate, you didn't do it as well as I liked or whatever the case is going to be. Why didn't you come to my table and look after me? I'm sitting here paying you. Watch this space. <laughs> what's what's taken so long?
0: Uh, look, I think look, there is a balance uh, between um, – and this is not, this is horses for courses, but I think your point is an excellent one. And I think that that is exactly where all this will go, you know, and more. So you won't get me making a, an argument against that point because I totally agree with it.
1: <laughs> I think some people described you, Dan, haven't they, as the, um, one of the ultimate, or if not the ultimate, when it comes to displaying the art of the publican. I guess it's a kind of black art, Dan, um, and, and requires, a lot. I guess, a lot of intuition. But when it comes to the engagement, running the business and performance, can you sort of enlighten us on what is the art of the publican?
0: I think the art of the publican sits right in the public bar. It's, it's, it's inherent in the name. Um, if you can throw yourself into a, a public bar, don't know anyone, in the middle of Redfern, in suburbs of Brisbane, in the suburbs of Melbourne, and go up to anyone and sit down there and have a, a, a chat and, uh, and have a meaningful chat with someone where you get something out of it, they get something out of it. Um, you know, you, you are a Republican who has uh, an understanding of people, you have that empathy. And we hear empathy a lot, right? We hear yes. it a lot in terms, in our, in our business context of how do you become a customer centric business and you know the essence of a customer centric business is is empathy your ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes um and you know i think that's a really big challenge in business i think that uh certainly in our business there's small numbers of people that are truly customer centric that can truly put themselves in that mindset and then come up with innovations and growth initiatives that centre in around the customer. I think a lot of the time, whether it be in this business or any other business, you know, we're so used to engineering uh, outcomes that are convenient for us in the business, working in the business or, or uh, or you know, for other stakeholders rather than actually driving at what's centric to the customer. So. You know, for me, I think that that has been honed by uh, many years of that public bar where you, you can really talk to any walk of life of person and have an enriching experience out of that.
1: Are we relying too much on technology then to understand our customer or has it been a terrific enabler from your perspective?
0: I think it's a terrific enabler. You know, the technology is, uh, is very functional. And I think everyone jumps into a very functional mindset with it. and you know the logic in it, the logic in it needs to be empathetic and customer driven. And I think that's where organizations don't quite get it right on the logic step, but also then the alignment required from all the way from a board through to the front end of a business in and around how you uh, support and align it to, to the customer customer outcomes so I think that you know from a technology space and I, I've sort of broaden that out to a digital space I think it's a I think it's a huge enabler and really exciting frontiers uh, you know certainly we're um, testing and learning in all sorts of uh, areas we've got uh, very exciting things in AI that we're doing and getting terrific results out from that um, and again, you know, the functionality is there, you can go and build that, but it's really having the the uh, the logic in it that uh, it sits in and around the very heart of, of customer and the empathy required there.
1: Dan, compared to other pubs and the pub scenes around the world, where, where does Australia sit in the sense of community engagement and offering from what you've seen from the very best to the very worst?
0: Oh, look I think having sort of done road shows right across the world in relation to uh, the pub business it's always a difficult conversation to have internationally because um, you know you're in England and you're talking about a pub and it's got a sheep down the road in the paddock and and uh, right. you know it's very small and the value is not very high and you know I mentioned earlier that you know it's not unusual to have a pub valued somewhere between 80 to 100 million dollars one one pub and uh, that's just not heard of in an overseas context. So it's a unique business in Australia. Um, and, you know, a lot of uh, not only that value is created from a, a, a monetary or a, a, a dollar value, but the community in Australia really values a pub. And uh, that's kind of the, the uh, symbiotic relationship between both, you know, the 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 size and scale of these businesses and and the meaningfulness of them in an Australian context.
1: So if I walk into a Queensland pub or I walk into a South Australian pub, am I going to get a lot of difference, do you think?
0: Oh, look, there's always nuances. And I think one of the great, the great uh, things about our pubs is they're representative of their communities. So, you know, perhaps the roof line might be a little the same and there might be some art deco design between... Uh, you know brisbane and sydney and those sorts of things the essence of each pub has a little bit of a unique difference you know a big part of our business model is we don't badge anything uh at a, at a sort of corporate level mm-hmm. it's all locally driven now in the back end of it it is all homogenous and driven with the sophistication of, of our platform however at the front end that platform generates at the front end a very bespoke community experience which is uh you know, really important so i think that's a a unique thing for australia as well and that we can go to all of those places you mentioned and get vastly unique experiences which which are enhancing
1: are we a customer service focused nation
0: um you know, there's a there's a curly one throwing a curly one at me
1: well you're playing a lead and you're
0: all <laughs> look i i think we uh i think we have a lot to to do in that area I don't think we're unique, though. I think that, you know, in, in a global context, uh, there is just fantastic leaps forward being made on, on understanding that customer psychology, how you draw that into an organisation, put that into the, the heartbeat of how you design everything from your financial systems through to your, your cost base to, to everything, mm-hmm. governance and, and how you put that together. So as you become customer-centric, and I think there's lots of leaps we've got to take forward in that. I think the, the exciting thing when I think of customers is I think about um, people like the data scientists getting together with the, the chief marketing officers and, and these sorts of roles yes. getting together to uh, really carve out uh, new innovations, new ways of thinking about it. But really the whole, the whole C-suite right from the CEO uh through need I think a heightened understanding of customer and really put that at the core of strategy put at the core of of uh of how they align and organize the firm
1: and I understand your business has done very well but for those who haven't done necessarily well in the pub scene with COVID and the sort of changes of decision making across the country what's what's the damage been like what's how bad is it out there, Dan?
0: Well, look, I think it's it's like quite quite devastating in in terms of what it's done to hospitality workers. Yeah, the hospitality scene, and this is across the whole spectrum of you know five star hotels through to restaurants, pubs, um, clubs, clubs um, has been at the front end of the firing line on this one. And uh, you know the the behaviour of employers. Um, by and large, has been okay. In in some realms, not so much. And some operators just have not had the balance sheet to handle this this type of this type of event. Um, certainly for us, I mean, what we've prioritised through this period and these are commercial decisions in terms of keeping our people stood up and connected. Yep. and uh, that's important. We know our our customers' number one value is having a enhanced relationship with our staff so ensuring our staff are connected and ongoing and when you know when you stand up again the same faces are back there and, and it has been hugely important um, and so that that's where we not only have to put our uh, time and energy but also our investment dollars and and other dollars towards making sure that we're maintaining that and moving that through so uh, that is, you know, we're probably uh, an anomaly in the in the space because there's been a lot of hardship, and I think that, you know, over the coming period, and I, I I certainly saw it in in the uh, between the first lockdown and and where we are now, where businesses were stood up, and you know, sadly, the service level has you know dropped a bit, and the expertise level has dropped a bit, and. And the, the glint in the eye from hospitality workers has dropped a bit, mm. and I think that you know we've got a big job to do over the over the coming period to uh, to revitalize that space. But I do think it will take quite some time.
1: You guys are facing, as you say, the full full force of of COVID, albeit you've done exceptionally well, as you say, in the balance sheet. But as a as a chief exec in this industry, and I'm a, a young person building my career, and I'm working with you. I'm probably a little bit worried. I'm not sure what's going to come around the corner. Uh, And I'm probably really looking up to that chief exec and that leadership team to see how, you know, are they showing the right way? Are you more conscious of that than ever before? Or have you changed much in in any form in that regard?
0: Certainly, for example, right now, we have our stood-up portion of our workforce. Their performance measure is a high level of connection with our stood-down workforce.
1: So So how does that that work? How does that work, Dan?
0: So we'll pulse survey the stood-down workforce every week, see how they're feeling, see whether they're feeling connected or not, and and have that as a a score, as well as the qualitative commentary, enabling the stood-up workforce to innovate, put together initiatives to keep those people connected and whatnot. It's things like ensuring that, with government benefits for that portion of the workforce that if they come back on and they're with us for a period of time after stand-up, we'll, we'll true them up uh, to the, the differential. It's those type of decisions that uh, you make that sit right in our values, it sits right in our value chain. You know, that makes sense for not just those staff members. It makes sense for customers because... They want those friendly faces back, mm-hmm. and it makes sense for shareholders on for the long term because that all adds to the growth story for total shareholder return.
1: And are the shareholders been receptive? Are they being harsh? Are they understanding? Have you found that interaction
0: uh, hugely supportive? Yeah, I think hugely supportive. There we have uh, all four major banks as well, and uh, you know I deal with them very regularly. They've all been very supportive. We believe in a high level of transparency in terms of our, our numbers, keeping them contemporary with the banks. So, again, go back to our purpose and build an environment of trust. That goes to our banks. It goes to our shareholders as well as our customers and our staff. And uh, the, the support has been um, terrific. It is built though on a solid balance sheet. It's built on solid fundamentals and a long-term strategy so that uh, whilst these things come and go and and certainly we believed by virtue of keeping ourselves highly liquid outside of the first shutdown that was probably something like this was probably going to happen again. So uh, it was being prepared for that that type of event as well. Which is unfortunate, but we, we feel with that we can go to all of our stakeholders and with a very uh, calm mind say we've got the resources required to see this through.
1: How are you on a personal level, Dan? Keeping yourself, I guess, fresh, energised, and on the ball.
0: Well, look at a personal level, um, I uh, you know have a always have a motto, of do something in a day, so I uh, always keep myself physically moving in a day, doing some sort of activity. I don't have any preferred activity, but I do lots of different things. And uh, ensuring that I'm putting uh, great nutrition down the neck so that uh, all the things that are going into the body are helping me enhance, enhancing clear thinking. Um, And, of course, good family and love around time out for that, making sure the time's there for that. Uh, Also, from, a I guess, a time perspective is understanding that if, if you want to uh, have clear strategies and, and clear thinking, you need to squirrel away the time to do it. So, in a week, you know, having time to to be able to think deeply, uh, reflect, write, and learn is uh, a key part of uh, making sure the uh, you know there's a calmness to uh, even in times like now.
1: Okay, so we're in uncharted territory, and you've got to make obviously some pretty pretty big calls so as you say you take the time or you put aside the time to think when you come to those big decisions do you bounce them around if anyone or is it you make the call Dan, how do you operate
0: oh it's highly collaborative i will talk and canvas ideas i like to have lots of challenge on my thinking so ensuring there's people around that are able to challenge and push my thinking. But it all then comes back to values though and I find on those really tough decisions mm-hmm. after canvassing lots of uh, challenge and different thinking, different perspectives, bringing it back to the values and the purpose seems to deliver a, uh, the right decision. But sometimes those decisions are not easy made and, uh, or easily executed. I should say, but um, that's kind of, and there's been a few examples of that of recent times, mm-hmm. and it does ring true that uh, when you you know know your values, you stick to them, you stick to your purpose, that uh, the right decisions will come out.
1: Mental wellness, you you must be seeing how your team are going, and also your public during the gaps. What is your observations, and are we as you know, as a leader, are we? Are we well prepared? A long way to go, or has it been a steep learning curve? What's What's your impression?
0: Oh, I think that, um, I think there's been some really, uh, there's some differences this time around. And I, and I think, think about, uh, I mean, I, I live in Sydney, but there's uh, people in Melbourne, I've just had enormous empathy for people in Melbourne over this period. It's been really, really hard. And, yeah, I think, there's been, I think there's been damage done and I think we need to make sure that we're reaching out to each other, be very kind and generous to each other, inquire how, they, how people are going and then try and help people through. I think from our, our, our business standpoint, it's, it's making sure that we're not ignoring the negative emotions, uh, we're recognising them, but finding ways to turn them into positive constructive outcomes and then celebrating those outcomes. And I think that's really practically how we get on the front foot of this in a business context. So as to then hopefully drive real energy in a personal standpoint.
1: I'll ask you a tricky one, Dan, and, and as a business you are right in the cold face of what's happening out there. Do you think business itself has been engaged well enough by politicians or the decision makers, or do you think business should maybe put themselves in a position a little bit more to be part of more of the discussion. It's hitting everybody, as you say, but I mean, what your thoughts?
0: Look, I was very supportive and I thought the, the government, the New South Wales government, federal government, the first time around did a fantastic job. Yep. I thought that there was, well, I know there was a lot of collaboration with business. Um, now it's different, obviously there's some, Victorian examples there I know that there's you know there's probably a differing view on on some of the decisions made in that uh, state from business but um, one of the things that I would say this time around has been governments listening so you know they are listening but it's all I think caught people a bit on the hop this time around and certainly I'm noticing not the same level of collaboration between state and federal, um, but there was first time round. And, and I think that that, along with, um, yes, greater involvement from business would have a, uh, you know, I think we run the risk right now, but I think we're running the risk of not having a collaborative approach with both uh, levels of government and business to navigate this through. And I do have some concerns about how people's optimism and and sense of uh, of how to grow uh, you know flourishes out of this. Yeah. Obviously, this time round we have a vaccine, so yeah. that's um, that's uh, providing optimism that there'll be a uh, an end in sight. However, you know it's a it's a where we're sitting here today. It's it's a little way away.
1: What do you want to achieve in the next twelve months, then, Dan?
0: Well, we've got. I guess we learned lessons out of the first lockdown, and we made some bold moves. So things like really investing very hard in our digital space in the in the first lockdown, and that really paid off tremendously uh, you know over the f twenty one year. Yeah. We've got the ability to do the same sort of thing in in new directions, probably more exciting directions. We've got a lot of proof points of our success. So we're able to do more in that area. So excited about that. It's very much in the thread of how we build out our AI tools um, in particular okay. um, across a broader spectrum of our both our cost base and also on our revenue side. And we've had success in that regard. And, and this is about, again, this is, sits in the, the long-term strategy. It's just that you know in the context of, of the moment, you look at that and say, Well, we got that's a high value thing we can do now, so let's you know prioritize our resources in that way. So that's exciting because that will you know build out further customer advocacy, further customer penetration, it'll also uh, uh, help with efficiencies and that accompanied with. As I said before, being prepared on the on the balance sheet that this may come about again
1: yeah.
0: puts us in a good stead to be continuing to do capital works and all the things that uh, we would do normally, but we can do uh, you know a bit more firmly through a pub shutdown. Um, so we've got things like that that we can add to, and and just I think the way in which we have. Um, being able to treat our workforce in the early stages of the lockdown, which was, you know, it was a week-to-week proposition. We kept all of our people stood up, even casuals on rosters, just full payroll, and that has just boosted our levels of of trust and and uh, and advocacy with our, with our staff, that I think we're going to have a highly uh, sticky, engaged workforce on the on the reopen which I think in contrast to unfortunately some other hospitality providers probably won't have so um, I think that will allow us to connect with community very quickly Mm -hmm. and uh, really go to that uh, sustainable growth model again perhaps in a slightly accelerated
1: manner so what's success going to look like for Dan Brady in a couple of years time or five years time is that still going to be? Is there going to be an enormous growth? A lot of a lot more pubs. What What does it really look like, Dan?
0: Well, look. The platform today um, has aspirations to to grow. We have aspirations to grow much larger, and it's really, I guess, um, probably twofold. It, again, it's the it's the growing of a business, growing of opportunity for people within the business, and doing it in a way that becomes very enhancing to the communities that we operate in and our vision is to enrich local communities it's it's just really that simple and it means that you can be going to uh, any manner of of community with any manner of asset and sort of say to yourself, well, how am I going to add something here
1: yeah exactly and
0: uh, and you know you've always got to go in with hope and aspiration otherwise you're turning up to people because these are people businesses and saying, hey, no, keep, keep doing what you're doing. We think you're great. You keep doing it. And that just doesn't inspire anyone, right? I mean, you've got to come in and say, hey, let's have a conversation. Let's work out what we really want together and build a bigger, brighter future. And that's really, you know, going into different communities, what we do.
1: Well, what's been the biggest learning for you during your career in this industry? Have you got it wrong? And gee whiz, that was a, something I'm going to keep on back in my mind forever?
0: Oh, look, I think the the... The biggest learning for me is that go back to the pub test, the public bar, having that conversation in in the public bar. Mm -hmm. It's a people business. It's a a business that's about enhancing people's lives. And as sophisticated as all this has gotten over the years, with um, uh, all the different corporate structures, the different investors, all of the highly technical uh, situations one gets into, there has only been one, really one thing that's been the most important thing, which is you keep the hotels performing. And the only way the hotels have performed is to truly understand your customer. And the only way you truly understand your customer is to have that, that type of understanding of, of humans. And that's that's really what... Still fascinates me today. Actually, I to learn a lot back then, and I'm still learning today. And we're we're complex beings, and uh, this is actually what uh, you know drives all all the value in in our business. So it's it's uh, it's still a fasc- fascinating journey.
1: Dan, I'd be doing the wrong thing by all our audience and all those Australians out there if I didn't ask you this question: What's the secret, Dan, to pulling the perfect beer? <laughs>
0: Well, there is lots of theories on that. I have one. It's, uh, it's a nice clean glass. Keep your hand at the bottom. Don't touch the glass on the tap. It's a two-pull. Two pull. Now, lots of people say one-pull, but it's two-pull. And have a uh, healthy amount of frothing head on the top that can uh, present like a, a mouth-watering uh, ale that we all like to, to down now and then on a hot day.
1: Dan, if you were to look back at that young man building his career in Tamworth, and where he is now, what advice would you give him?
0: Well, I would say to that, and I know I think I was guilty of this at times of not doing this. Um, thankfully, not where I am today. But I, I, I wish I could go back there and just say, think big, think big. Along for that w- would be inherent be a continuous learner and understand who you are and drive at your values. And uh, that would be the thing that I, if I could get uh, one message through to my younger self, it would be that think big.
1: On that, Dan, thank you very much for making the time to join us today.
0: Terrific. Thanks, Greg.
1: You've been listening to No Limitations.